You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. It, it's better than the alternative. I'm of the glad zombies. they didn't say diuretic zombies. That's the one. Because that was the other one that I was thinking of. I'm like, that's the one. Every time one of the vomit zombies comes along, it goes, that. Ah! And I'm like, I'm glad that they weren't turning around and going, huh? um, But that was the other option. Welcome to the Legendarium. We are your blue team, specializing in urban fantasy and science fiction, and today we are kind of periwinkle. More of an indigo team Yeah, well, yeah, indigo, periwinkle, I don't know, it's a shade of blue, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, A different, a different color, different shade of blue. Um, (laughs) If anybody remembers, never never mind, nobody can remember that. I am Todd Wendy. I I caught it. I am serving as your host. We've got Ken with us, Ken Johnson with us, and we also have the beautiful and talented Stephanie Bruckman. Notice, Stephanie, you're the only one that's either beautiful or talented. Neither Ken nor I get either of those monikers. I never even get that when I'm on the other team. I get insulted. Why is that, that do you think? that is quite nice to have such a warm welcome. Do you you notice a difference in the the candor, the quality, (laughs) the... The, the the overall culture of the different of the we're, different we're, teams. We're not going to discuss the, that today. <laughs> uh, I have to go home to my husband after this. They're so. they're the, they're the serious ones. We're the lighthearted, fluffy <laughs> ones, I guess. Um, we are today. That's we us. are going to be tackling the first in a in a uh, in a listener requested, heavily listener requested series, The Expanse. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Leviathan Wakes. Uh, but before we dig into that, just want to take a few seconds for a little bit of housekeeping and just remind you, if you're new to the podcast, uh, welcome. Glad to have you here. Please feel free to engage with us in Reddit. Uh, you can find us on Reddit. You can find us on Discord, thelegendariumpodcast.com. If you're looking for us, if you uh, want to engage with us on Twitter, uh, some of us are more active than others on Twitter, but you can certainly call us out by name. Uh, we are, we are will- I think we're pretty active on our social media channels. And we love to we love to engage, especially on Reddit. Now, some of our listeners may be saying to themselves, oh, wait a minute, Todd, what do you mean you love to engage with us? We didn't even know you were doing this one or we would have fired a whole bunch of qu-. We know. We know. <laughs> well, we mentioned it a few times in our Dresden episodes we, because we've been telling you guys for a <laughs> we while. Got, we got a lot of what? <laughs> no more Dresden? No, Dresden's coming back soon. Dresden is definitely coming back. In fact, so. just before this podcast, for those of you that are that are listening, saying I want more Dresden. More Dresden is coming. We're going to make sure we're timing everything so that we get to that last the, or the most recent book release that's coming yeah. up later on this year. But I, I want to just throw this out there, by the way. I've read Small Favor. Okay. I don't want to talk to you right now because <laughs> I haven't been able I haven't had time to read anything except yeah. The Expanse. But oh my goodness, what a fun thrill ride Expanse was. This but before book. I say anything else, we probably ought to have <laughs> Ken say, uh, Ken take a few minutes and give us his... Uh, recap can you do uh, you do have a recap right i suppose if you want to call it that well somebody calls it that i don't know what else you'd call it but... all right it's the 23rd century and humans have colonized the entire solar system because you know man is all fine space spread out that's the way we are the un controls the earth so naturally all the rational people want to settle on mars and the un raids <laughs> the asteroid belt for all of its resources sounds about right The only problem is the Belters who live and work in space are not too cool with the UN taking all their stuff and tensions are brewing between the Earth, Mars, and the Belt. Tale as old as time. 
A classic pulp noir burnout Mars detective and a slacker ice cruiser jockey get embroiled in intergalactic conflict when one gets hired to track down a rebellious little rich girl and the other is pissed when mysterious ships blow up all of his buddies. The paths intertwine lead to the discovery that Miller's unmet girlfriend is being used to carry an alien biological weapon and an evil shadowy corporation wants to use it to turn humanity into super alien killers. At the expense of a few million and a half unaware test subjects and the collection of sociopathic scientists. No biggie. Unfortunately, they all try to kill the last good guy in the solar system and Holden doesn't take that lying down. You can tell he's a good guy, by the way, because he likes oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Like all good people do. But now the demon alien virus that was safely contained on an outer rim space station has been taken over by the alien goo. And needs to be pushed into the sun and destroyed. Leave it to the government to gas the Mormons and steal their stuff. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Yeah, the prototype <laughs> molecule is retrieved. Julie Mao is tracked down. Miller engages in a suicide mission to talk her down because she's still alive somehow. They reroute the space station to Venus. Everybody's safe. Although we have life on Venus now. We do have life on Venus Interesting, now. which is going to throw things... That's never going to be a problem. No, and then yeah. that's never going to be a problem. So, Earth saved. <laughs> everything's great, right? No problems anymore. I got no questions. Well, I got lots of questions. But the only question I have for you guys is, if the Mormons are going to build a galactic spaceship with the intent to fly it across known space, find a habitable planet, and colonize, knowing what we know about Mormons, better chance than good that they'll succeed, right? I'm just saying I, you know, I'm surprised that they decided to call it the Nauvoo. Knowing a little bit about the Mormon culture, I think they probably would have called it Kolob. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Well, they make reference to that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. that's all I got. Remember, remember, the Epstein drive did not kill itself. Oh, oh, nice, nicely done. <laughs> I, I wanted, I wish there had been a reason to actually use that, like, in the story. Like, somebody took out the Epstein drive or something like that, and then I could have said in my recap, somebody, you know didn't kill itself or what i don't know. <laughs> i love that joke so much you know every now and again we get a glimpse of where ken's mind goes when it goes on a tangent i mean i think some of my tangents are weird but those are that takes the cake ken you are you are my hero of tangents i, I wish i had some oatmeal chocolate chip cookies right now <laughs> so do i we've got yeah. some sugar cookies um so initial <laughs> initial response from you guys do you like the book um when i first started reading it i did not <laughs> Um, it took me a little while to get into the book. I remember I, you guys about chapter 10 and you told us, what the heck have I gotten myself into? Why, yeah, why did I, I agree I, to this crap? I, I'm surprised. So I'm not, I, to give a little backstory, I was raised watching Star Trek. That was about the extent of my sci-fi knowledge. Oh, wow. Um, and I was never really into sci-fi. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's an okay, I've, I never got into the genre, especially in my choice of reading. Um, so this was kind of new to me. And of course, with everything that Ryan's had me read, that's all fantasy. So yep. this is very new to me. So I got into it. And by the time I was into the book, I was like, well, this is a stupid premise. Like, I felt like, why am I in space? This all could have happened on Earth. In fact, I feel like I've read this book happening somewhere on Earth. But the more you get into it and the more you get into meeting the, the characters, the characters are really what drives this story and finally makes it interesting. It's just getting into their heads and getting to know them. So by the time I finished the book, I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah. 
I'm so glad to hear that because I was afraid that all of the stuff that you were wading through in the first 10 chapters was going to completely <laughs> turn you off. No, I, I I pushed through it. I got through it. It's it's just, it's a hard, for me, it was hard to get to know the characters, but once you do, you start caring about them yeah. and yeah. where it, and what they're doing. It's just getting to the point where you care about them. Well, and in the first 10 chapters, we introduce so many characters that are not important, not terribly germane to the rest of the yeah, book. Yeah, there's a lot of weird side characters that pop up here and there, and you're like, well, why are they written into this? And then they <laughs> pop up later, and you're like, okay, well, that made a little bit more sense, but... Yeah. And some of them get popped off later. Yes, and right. then, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... Ken, how about you? What did you think of the book? I enjoyed it a lot, actually. And uh, to answer your question, Stephanie, I think, I, I think it had to happen in space because that's just where things happen in the 23rd <laughs> century. <laughs> that's, just, that's just where it goes. That's where we end up is, is you know, in space. Although I did like the fact that uh, the expansion wasn't so sweeping like in 23rd century Star Trek, that sort of thing, which I, I grew up watching Star Trek, too. I love Star Trek. It's one of my favorite things. But I, I like that the expansion is is more measured it's well we've we've colonized mars and we're kind of spread out to where more resources are more resources are people have talked about the theory of of harvesting and mining asteroids for a long time for resources and it just it kind of makes sense in a way that by the 23rd century we'd be doing that and yeah i expect we're going to be doing it a lot earlier than that yeah but that's just me but so i i i enjoyed that i i kind of enjoyed how it um how the 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 author we should say by the way james corey is two people did you know that i did not yeah james corey is a pseudonym that uh it's a pen name for it's, a, it's a pen name what's their names two different daniel abraham and ty frank that's uh they're the authors so james corey is james corey is, is holden ty frank is miller so <laughs> yeah there we pretty, go pretty much anyway so uh for for uh that explains a little bit so we might we might actually accidentally refer to uh, the author as him or as them, but there you go. And tangent over. Anyway, I, I like the way that they use uh, space and and the f kind of future technology to enhance the story, but not drive the story. Yeah, and it's still a whole lot of inner conflict, uh, interpersonal uh, trouble and strife. It's kind of universal, you know. As long as there are two people, there will be interpersonal conflict. Sure. So. And and I it took me a couple of chapters to get into or to relate to the people to really want to enjoy them, but but I started to really come around on on who to follow and who to enjoy. Amos, I thought Amos was a great character. <laughs> I love Amos. He was so much fun. Anyway, hey, Captain. <laughs> um, well, good. I guess we're all agreed then that we that we did enjoy the book. Mm -hmm. um, I will um, my my caveat. Um, from the from the first 10 chapters or so, especially after I saw Stephanie's post of what have I gotten myself into, <laughs> I, I was concerned that maybe she was offended by the obvious uh, paper F-bomb that was going on in the first 10 to 12 <laughs> chapters. Um, because it seems like there was a bonus being paid to the author for the number of times, situations, combinations we could throw the F-bomb in. Uh, there was a lot of that. However... Um, when I was talking to somebody about it, I said, but, but it didn't, number one, it, it didn't take me out of the story. It actually cemented me a little bit easier into the story and into the characters because I had to remind myself, these are basically ice truckers for the, the future. And so if we're talking about long haul truckers, 
I worked on a receiving dock with long haul truckers. So I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is exactly how they talk yep. all the time. They're all ex-military. They're all cops and they're all truckers. <laughs> and they just and they all use the same you know, 18 words when they're really upset. That with is things. a common vernacular of and, all three professions. And, and yeah. so that was, you know, that if, if, uh, and, and sadly, uh, I, I'm going to say sadly, um, sadly, a lot of near future, I'll call it near future science fiction, um, relies very heavily on expletives to make connections and to help us make connections with characters. Sometimes, um, that's kind of been a hallmark of a lot of, uh, of a lot of near future science fiction that I've, that I've read over over my lifetime, much more so in the last probably 15 years, more so than when I was reading Arthur C. Clarke and, and uh, uh, Isaac Asimov. But uh, it's it's a tr it's a it's a trope. It's a it's something that's used a lot. So I'm glad that that was not exactly the reason that you were, you know, no. frustrated by the book. No, I made it through Night Angel and all of the swearing and crap that happened in that book. That <laughs> language is no longer an issue after reading that. But for my wife, I would never recommend this book because she won't get past the first chapter. No, it it is hard. I actually have to admit. I kind of got desensitized because of how often they used it. Yeah. It got to the point where my brain just bypassed the language yeah. because it is, it is so prevalent in this book. They use the F word a ton. And did you notice that occasionally they would say, and then such and such character said something expletive or said something, uh, <laughs> said something obscene. And I'm like, what they were saying before wasn't obscene. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was one that I really liked. And then Fred said something obscene. I'm like, what <laughs> makes the mind boggle? What could <laughs> be more of what that one was? Um, but yeah, that's a that's an issue. But obviously, um, it, it's something that that for us didn't detract enough to turn us off from the book. No, no. So good to know. Um, but we've, I mean, we've read plenty, and we have, you know, and all of us, um, you know, we're 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 kind of used to that. Um, one of the things about science fiction, uh, as compared to fantasy, a lot of times fantasy authors will try and come up with new swear words. Um, science fiction authors don't have to work that hard because they're trying to figure out how to work the science into the fiction. And this, in this case, um, as, as listeners to the podcast that have, that have heard me talk about science fiction before will know, I'm really thrilled with the way that the science, uh, augmented and drove the fiction without becoming something that was throwaway or, or unbelievable, or just too fantastic, or that we just forget it all together. Science was really a big piece of the problems and the solutions. I really yeah. liked that. Did you guys get a sense of that, or did you just feel like it was just woven in as part of the story and it made sense? I appreciate how much it made sense. It was nice knowing that when you think about problems we have right now, I mean, you look at some of the sci-fi that's, that's popular, and you're getting into... Um, light speed and those kind of things. And you don't stop to think the effect that actually has on the human body to go over the science of what they dealt with traveling at, I mean, and they weren't even going that, that fast. Yeah. I mean, relative to right. my car, it is fast, but <laughs> um, relative to the idea of, of space travel in our, in the sci-fi world, it's not as, it's not that fast. I mean, they're not able to go outside of our solar system Correct. yet. And so when you're talking about the amount of drugs being pumped into their body so their bodies can handle the amount of G-force that they're dealing with, it was actually kind of cool knowing like, okay, someone took the time to realize yeah. where their science actually was 
and what made sense to make it work with the story. They didn't have to do anything outlandish and and create this mythical some sort of science. That's... Gravity plating, inertial dampening fields, <laughs> um, deflector arrays. Yeah, stuff that doesn't actually exist. And as right. cool as they are in Star Trek, and yes, yes I own the Star Trek technical <laughs> manual. Just in case anybody's wondering, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I'm also going to apologize for my lack of technical knowledge okay. of what these things are actually called. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. It, it doesn't to, matter; they're all theoretical. Anyway. I'm going to simplify my thought as to what these are are actually. But it was nice thing. Okay, yeah, this I actually believe this could actually be the way that space travel works in the near future. Yeah, as near future as that feels to me, because I'll be dead, but. You don't know. <laughs> if Maybe I survive, they find the cure. science is advancing. <laughs> they they find the cure for age. You know, Kim, what do you think? Cure for age? Yeah, sure, no wonder there are billions upon billions of people, and we need to travel outside of Earth. See, now you know. Sleeper <laughs> ships. I I liked the uh, we'll call it plausibility that uh, they use for uh, life outside of gravity, okay, or in in manufactured gravity. You know, and and how they how they explain all that. And we haven't seen, we haven't really seen Mars or uh, Martians, you know, yet to see how they live. But I mean, people on earth, you know, who live in gravity, they're, you know, shorter, denser people who grew up in the belt, you know, are longer. Um, and uh, what less, their bodies are less affected by gravity. We'll put it that way. Yeah. They're taller, and, they're leaner. Yeah. And, and the way that it, it makes sense that all of that would would be a thing. So I, I think that's fine. I think the the setting is is very enjoyable to me. And I yeah. I I can't get more detailed than that. I guess maybe I just I don't know. I didn't take a look at it from a technical angle. I just I, I the one thing I've always liked about science fiction is the way or the ability to use it as a playground for wouldn't it be cool if this tech existed? Yeah. You know, and stuff like that, or um, taking existing tech and saying, wouldn't it be cool if this did that? And I, I feel like they use that a lot here in terms of uh, everyday life things that they use, more so in the TV series. I know we'll talk about the TV series a little bit, but they yeah, use, you know, right handheld, handheld palms and stuff like that and uh, things like that. But I also like, like Stephanie, how they used a lot of the constraints of actual science in this book. Like for yeah. example, you don't just travel from, from earth to Jupiter in the blink of an eye. You, it takes, you know, a few days to get there, that sort of thing. Or and, a few weeks. Yeah. Or a few weeks. It's, it's nice to have limitations. Limitations make stories interesting. Yeah. And I think this one does a good job of using that. One of the things that, um, one of the, and and probably just because I spent way too much time watching shows and saying, okay, that does not work in a real zero G uh, situation, and and people have heard me talk about that before. This book does a wonderful job of admitting not only those problems, but uh, problems of relative distance and the limitations of communication. There's one scene where uh, Holden is communicating with the um with the parent company for their ice hauler and he's he's on there on the night uh i don't know if you guys remember this but for me i remember thinking to myself that is exactly how this process runs he says the the base is out at 
Jupiter, and so he has to send a message, and it takes 22 minutes for it to get there and for a reply to start coming its way back. Right. And so he has time to think of how to phrase this and make it as clear as he can. He sends it out and he says, and then it got to 33 minutes and he knew that there was going to be a problem. And, and we sometimes, you know, we're, we're used to, we've been exposed to a world where for, uh, for the logical situations of television, teleplays and keeping the drama in, up and all those kinds of things that we have instantaneous communication, uh, that we have near instantaneous travel and the, the limitations that are imposed upon that and the fact that you do not have conversations you have you have you have information delivered and then information received was for me one of the highest moments of tension in the way that all of this was working same thing was true when they were trying to figure out how to destroy the asteroid and they get to that moment where the two captains are talking or not the asteroid but the 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 planetoid uh yeah. eros and the two captains are talking you know, Captain, what do you hear? Well, I'm not hearing anything right now. It's going to take at least 15 minutes before I hear anything anyway. Well, in the meantime, I'm going to do this. How do you feel if we do this? Well, that's probably going to be okay with my superiors, <laughs> you know? What I mean? And 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 we get a very clear sense that, that um, they're using the science to really ask the question, okay, with these limitations, what does it do to the story? What does it do to the people? And in some ways, it is as simple as... As as some as things that we take for granted as instantaneous communication, we here on the planet we see we see a little bit of time delay every now and again. If you're watching a television show where someone is interviewing somebody from New York to Israel, and you've got a three second delay, and you know sometimes people are like they ask a question and then there's three seconds and then they say, "Well, yes, that's a very good question." And people who don't know don't understand, they're like, "Why does it take so long?" Well, radio waves can only travel at the speed of light, and da da da. Um, when you start adding AUs, astronomical units, distances of travel that are measured not in, or that that their basic measurement is millions of miles to begin with. Um, you have some really interesting pieces that can drive this kind of a story. So I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it <laughs> as much as I geeked out over it. Um, things like when they were talking about uh, gravity is stronger at the external points than it is when you get down closer into spinward and all of these different kinds of things. I, as I'm reading that, I'm saying to myself, great. I'm glad they're not talking about gravity plating. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love Star Trek. I love gravity plating. I love the story. But, but here's where we get the difference between hard science fiction and space opera, and yet both can be really good stories. Um, and I'm and I'm glad that you guys, I'm glad that you guys felt like the science didn't get in the way, and that it actually augmented helped augment the story. At least that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it definitely. It, the science pushes the story forward, and it kind of almost feels like a side character itself. Like you definitely have. I mean, we're following Holden, we're following Miller, and they're both living their lives and doing things and affecting other things. And the science is just kind of, there is this side character that every once in a while pops in and goes, Oh, by the way, you can't do that because the science of things won't allow you to. Correct. So let's figure out a different way to solve this problem. And then they, they move forward with their, their stories. And so it's more of a character and not so much just the world that they live in or a hindrance to whatever they're doing. I like that. I like that. It was, um, reading the the uh, notes after the book it was kind of by design uh abraham and frank wanted to write a space opera a la star wars with 
uh, scientific real life elements to mm-hmm. it. So it's not it's not a hard science fiction book, and it's not designed to be. But it is not designed to be, you know, laser swords in space. It's and yet they really succeed in writing a really good hard science fiction. It can be very acceptable hard science fiction. Perhaps not not necessarily from the standpoint of of uh, uh, some other ones where time travel is being dealt with. Ken, we'll deal with you later. <laughs> um, but some, some no, we really won't because there's no time travel in this book. Yes. <laughs> well, now bring, that brings up an interesting point. Um, at the end of the book, um, so it, how long did it take you guys to get through it? About a week. Yeah. Okay. Took me about 10 days and I was listening to it. I was listening to it on advanced speed. And by the way, I was late to work a couple of times because of it. I get in, (laughs) I'd actually get the, you can tell if I'm really liking a book because I'll get to work and I'll let my car idle for another five (laughs) to seven minutes while I'm listening to the next part. Oh, so you're one of those. Yeah, I am one of those. I am one of those. Um, and and I apologize for all the, all the problems. That's why I'm riding my bike to the, to the (laughs) podcast. It's my penance. Um, but, uh, you get to the end of the book and Miller says, Either to, I can't remember whether he says it to himself or to Holden, but he says, I got assigned this case over a year ago. Yeah. It's been, went from the, from the time that Miller gets the notification and that Holden discovers the scopuli to the point where, 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 where Eros has finally crashed into Venus is a full year that goes by. That, yeah, that hit me as quite a revelation because I didn't. I didn't think about the um, the uh, time. I didn't think about the passage of time in, especially not in the terms of a year. I mean, yeah. but it, well, and there's nothing in the book that gives you an idea of what the passage of time is. I mean, it's not right. like sunrise, sunset, and you see days go by. They don't talk about it really at all. Yeah, anywhere in the book, they're not talking about months. They're not talking about days. And I don't know if maybe in this future those things don't actually necessarily exist in the same way we think of them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. They talked at one point in, uh, about series having the sky painted blue, the ceilings painted blue in all of their open spaces. And they tried to play a little while with turning the lights up and turning the lights down. And then they got rid of it. Yeah. After and three then months, it, it, they nobody stopped cared. it. So People weren't buying it. And they just talk about shifts and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all based on when you work and when you don't. Yeah. Fascinating. I, I would be interested to know how the passage of time works on Siri or the, how, uh, how the measure of time works on Siri station. I mean, cause I'm sure it's still a 24 hour day, seven day a week. Well, cause you can't um, count it. I mean, we look at a year as the way that the earth right. travels around the sun and right. And I, I'm, I think I would expect on earth, it's still, counts as, as it does now. However, you can't count that way the on Sirius. The belt series. doesn't work the same it, way. It doesn't work <laughs> that way on the belt. It doesn't work that way on Mars. So I wonder if maybe they came and up you, with a standard, yeah, a, and, and, a, a solar own. system standard. And they still for, talk about, they talk about a year having gone by. They talk about Miller being 50. Uh, so, and I, and I'm sure that the, the authors are thinking to themselves, well, there are certain things that we can guess. There's certain things that we're just going to, ex- that we're just going to write off. But it'll be interesting to see how humanity solves those kinds of questions mm-hmm. as we move forward. Do we remain an Earth-centric civilization that everything revolves around Earth's measurement of time? Kind of an interesting, right? Kind of an interesting question that I don't think we're going to answer, and yeah. I don't think the expanse it's, is going to answer for us. But it's kind of fun. Yeah, expect that uh, there was there was life on the Moon right now. Expect or uh, look at it as if there was life on Mars. How would we synchronize the passage of time? 
yeah in a situation like that because they're close but they're not they're not the same and so yeah does all of that work well i mean mars rotates faster than the earth does it revolves long you know it takes a lot it's longer, got a longer to revolve. orbit yep faster day so yeah It'll be interesting to see how all of those things play together over I, time. I will be interested to see how they tackle that. I, I expect. I, I don't know anything, but I will be interested to see how they tackle that going forward into books two, three, four, et cetera. Sure. Because you know that a Mars-centric book has got to be coming up. There's there's probably going to be some time for that. I would expect. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit and and talk about, I, I want to I talk about our three levels of story. Um, you know, a lot of times when we talk about those, this, that's, that's something that kind of has become a, a good way to describe some themes as we move through, um, from the standpoint of level one, just the way the story reads page turning capability and, and, and capturing us all. It sounds like we all kind of feel, yeah, it's a, it does a pretty decent job of, of capturing that aspect. Is that a fair statement? You have to speak, Ken. Uh, well, I'm Ken's bobbing his head back I, and nodding forth. Nodding your head yeah. back and forth. I can, I can bob my head back and forth really and say good yes, radio, but I was, yeah. I was hoping to have something more than <laughs> yes. So I, and I was hoping Stephanie would bail me out rather than sell me out. Well, I keep responding first. So I thought I'd give you the opportunity and I looked at you and you're just bobbing your head. I know. I was so. trying to, I was trying to think of Well, it, when so. I'm not hearing either one of you, I'm like, oh boy, maybe, uh, I, maybe I opened geez. this one up wrong. All right. Now say it again because. So do we I feel like. From the stand, I'm going to say it, Craig. If you're listening, I'm going to say it. Do we feel like this is a really good yard? <laughs> Does it feel like it commands our attention? I was and like, pulls I don't even along? know what that means. Have you never heard so. the real <laughs> oh, Wow, that means she hasn't listened to any of our other episodes. Okay, that's fine. I've um, already admitted that I don't actually listen to our podcast. Not even the ones that her husband is on. So, well, that's I'm true. on those. That's I'm true. there in those conversations. I don't um, need to listen yeah. to them again. So, yeah, ripping good yarn—that it just pulls everything along. That the story is a page turner, and the, that we want to stay in it. it the gets reason there. the reason I was bobbing my head is because yes, there are elements of it, um, but it's not rife with action. We'll we'll put it that way. It's um, there are there are action moments. You know, space battles are always fun. They're more fun visually than they are on the page, but what? This is uh, this is the moment I have been waiting for, for mine and Ken's opinions to absolutely clash. Because oh. I know he's sitting here going, "There's not enough action in this," and I'm sitting here thinking, "It's the it's the relationship with the characters that are what t turns the page for me." I did not say there was not enough action. I just said that it wasn't. I thought he packed with action. action. <laughs> That's how I I interpreted okay. what you just said. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I didn't expect it. Didn't. It, it didn't seem like a, a, a book where there had to be nonstop action to me. So it felt like there was an appropriate amount of action. Okay. I, I didn't think I needed more. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever seen Ken backpedal that fast before, <laughs> Stephanie. Congratulations. Well, I never said there We're wasn't enough action. We're going to keep you wrong. I, I never said there was not enough action. <laughs> Out of everyone on this podcast, Ken's the one I've known the longest. So that I is should true. Give <laughs> that is true. And and Ryan that goes, included in that. He's yeah, the one that's I true. Have known that's the true. Longest, yep, that so. goes the other way too. I've known Stephanie longer than all the others. That's true. So Ken, yeah, it's oh, it, it's enough, but it's not necessarily the best that you've ever read. No, and okay. it, I don't think it was designed to be. It's not like it. You go in with the with the blurb, a nonstop action packed thrill ride or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It, it, it it's appropriate. It's an appropriate level uh, amount of action. Okay. And Stephanie, for you, the thing that drove the story was the character relationships. And you don't get that until you get farther into the book. Okay. And that's what it, it, it was slow to me. And I, I've said that already, that until you get to know the characters and start understanding them 
and caring about them, that's when I started being like, okay, yeah, I, I want to listen to this. I want to finish this. I want to know how this ends. So. Okay. Here's, here's a, here's one for me and Stephanie though. Um, was the relationship between Holden and Naomi as obnoxious for you as it was for me? Probably not. <laughs> I and loved it. I, I have to admit, it. I really, I could have oh, cared less it. about their relationship. I could too. If they had written, if he'd written it in, like it didn't bother me that he'd written it in, and where it ended up. Um, my favorite relationship in this whole book, though, happened to be between Miller and Julie. His, Miller and uh, Julie his, Prime or Julie? His imaginary Julie. His imaginary <laughs> Julie, yeah. The relationship that he built in his head with her of who he thought she was, what he thought that she would, how she would react, and how he got to know her, I think was really interesting. And yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not big into the detective stories. I've never, I mean, I like crime drama TV, but I don't read them. So to watch Miller as a detective going through and being so obsessed with this girl. And I think he did get to that point where it oh, yeah. became an absolute obsession for Absolutely. him. Absolutely. I mean, cause he, he was taken off the case said, you're done, you're finished here. And he still went out of his way to find her. It, the heartbreak he felt when he found her body and how mutilated it was from whatever this disease was that was taking over. Like, it was just interesting. And then towards the end when he's on Eros and he knows that he's he's at the end of his life. Yeah. He's going to die. And the only person he's really spending a lot of time talking to and listening to is her. And it's all in his head. And I was like, this is this is a really sweet relationship in kind of a psychotic way. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not it's not uncommon for a detective to get involved in a case that they're trying to track down. To get too involved, I should say, in a case yeah. where they're trying to track down a missing person. So they become personal. Yeah. And and the the ability to disentangle from that is is uh, understandably a challenge. Um and it is fun to watch how it it uh, messes with his mind a little bit, especially since he's a little morally cloudy anyway. Yeah. A little? <laughs> trying to be uh, nice. Uh, one of my favorite my you know, as long as we're talking about let's let's jump to let's jump to level three and some of the stories that we have to talk to you. So on I don't level know what three. level two is. So but... level level two is <laughs> level two is some of the no, level two okay, is we're politics. Come back to it. Um, level two is social situations and and modern political allegories and what does it teach us about the way that we ought to handle some of those things. We'll come back to that one. Oh yeah, you have to come back because that that's there's a rife. lot of that in this. There's book. a lot of that in this book. This is but, very much. A but level let's two run to the ones that about the stories and the parts of the story that that really inform us about what it means to be a human being, what it means mm -hmm. to be a better human being. Miller. And Holden, great foils for each other, but both of them have some fascinating, fascinating pieces that that make them. I, I'm not sure if antiheroes is the right word for them, but they make them make them some real good uh, demonstrations of aspects of aspects of admirable qualities pushed a little to their limit. Um, for instance, the scene where for me, um, the idea of right and wrong miller has a code of right and wrong holden has a code of right and wrong they both are dedicated to doing the right thing but wow look what happens when your code of right and wrong doesn't match with someone else's code of right and wrong the scene on uh on eros was it eros no on the the phantom station for protogen on 
Uh, I can't remember the name of the station. Sorry, I want to call it uh, Phoebe. No, no, that was the that's asteroid. The, that's the asteroid. Are you talking about Tyros? Ty- Tyco, not Tyco, Ty- not Tyco. <laughs> yeah, there, anyway, the mystery station. That, the, the mystery station for <laughs> Protogen. There's some. There's, there's only a few locations. There's in some this poor book. listener that is shouting it at the top Good of his lungs and can't remember. Um, but uh, when he when he's talking to Dresden, <laughs> Dresden. I um, I was gonna get that. I, I was gonna get to that. <laughs> I yeah. read that and I was like, my name is Harry Dresden. I was like, oh, okay, please, that, that, that please make his funny. name Harry. <laughs> but when he's talking to Dresden and Dresden says, you know, I, I'm giving I'm giving humanity the stars, and Miller goes, okay, and cocks his gun, shoots him in the head, <laughs> and then shoots him two more times, and then shoots him two more times when he's dead. Here is a man who says, this is a horrible human being and I'm going to remove him from the gene pool and stop him from, from destroying everybody else on the, in the world. That's a, that's a really powerful right and wrong kind of a thing. And I think there's a lot of us that are like, boy, I wish people could take a stand like that more often. And yet. Yes, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you have Holden who has a right and wrong kind of a deal. And he says, yeah, that was way over the line. Find but we own, should also be find telling, ride home. But we should also be telling everybody everything that is happening everywhere in the universe as soon as we've got it so that everything's transparent because that's right. And look what happens with that. Yeah, nothing bad ever happens with that, <laughs> right, Holden? <laughs> you have these two people committed to right and wrong, but it's their view of right and wrong. I love that... I love two things. One, I love that Holden is the Boy Scout. And I love that uh, the story does a very good job very early of uh, of showing how being fully honest all the time is maybe not the best way to go. For example, we... Yes. He, let's broadcast far and wide. We got uh, We got shot down after we were on this ship and we found a box recording device that may be Martian in origin. Did you just say Mars shot you down? <laughs> no, that's not what I said. That's what we, it sounded like you said Mars shot you down and now we got a war going on. Maybe you should parse your words just a little bit better before you just go speaking everything. <laughs> yeah. And Fred turns that around and looks at him and says, yeah, you did. Yeah. You told you, you what you said, but understanding what everyone else was. And Miller says it to him too. He says, yeah, sure. You told everybody just the facts, but you forgot that human beings are going to change those facts and they're going to twist them and turn them and make them say whatever they want them to say. It, it felt very pertinent to things going on today that I don't really care about. And so I don't really and, care to discuss. And now we, but now it, we, we kind of pull this back weird. into a little bit of level two. Um, I'm going to go back to another level three issue in just a second, but, but I, but I want to, I want to pull this back to a level two spot where Sometimes this idea of the way that I see things allows me to take certain kinds of actions. And when we institutionalize those and they get run by individuals who use their perspectives, not necessarily constituent perspectives and not necessarily the good of the, the good of all to run those perspectives, we get some really messed up political decisions in the expanse. And I think that is something that while I'm not sure that the authors were intending to run that as a corollary for us about the way that some of our current political situations are going, I think it informs very much the same kinds of questions. How often are we really questioning the motives behind the people who are giving us information? 
Was Holden trying to start a war? No. No. He was trying to say, this is the information that we have. Somebody look into it, please. And what it turned into was, this is the information we have. Bomb the crap out of Mars, please. Yeah. And it's because the motivations and the objectives of the people who got that information twisted it, turned it into a sign, soundbite, and broadcast it. And that's all everybody got. Well, and the best is he doubles down on it. Like, oh, no, that didn't work the first time, but it'll work totally this time. <laughs> ah, crap. Yeah. When, when Miller looks at him and says, how well did that work for you the first two times you did it? Because <laughs> he said, we need to tell everybody on Earth that an asteroid is headed to him and that it's going to kill them all. So how well did that work the first two times? <laughs> right. Well, it's an interesting thought as you were looking at the different perspectives, because you have Mars and the people that have been born and raised on Mars. You have the people on Earth. You have people in the belt. And they all obviously view themselves very differently, that they're they're almost not the same species anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, we deal a lot of that. I mean, even in our world with the racism and everything, yeah. I mean, you have people that as we're following Miller's story to begin with, he's talking about to his partner who was born on earth. Like you don't get it. You weren't here. You're, you're not born and raised on the belt. You don't understand. Yeah. And so it's been interesting following and kind of paralleling what we go through in our lives with what they're dealing with on a, larger scale i guess and how everything kind of fits in there was actually a question that i'm going to ask you guys that popped oh, up on discord that nice follows this as soon as i can find where it went this is oh there it is circle breaker asked just from relatively first impressions which faction would you want to join mars earth or opa Wow. That's a good Talk question. Talk about a loaded question. I guess it depends on what it is that you value most. Earth values stability. Mars values strength and, uh, or appears to value strength and um, stability. Uh, but from their perspective and the belt values equality. And, but it seems like they also value freedom. Equality from, from for all individuals that no one should be that that the belt should not be subservient to either mars or earth the belt feels very much like the wild frontier they've well, also I, compared which, that yeah i was going to say the colonies was it that compared it to someone which I'm i don't a, know i'm a big fan of the old west and the wild it, frontier. they've compared it to the a wild west yeah. story and how the genres of a wild west and this kind of i think i uh, yeah i you know think and, and i think i think miller is a miller is Miller is a cowboy right down to the fact that he has a hat with him everywhere he goes. He's an, right? an old-style sheriff with, you know... A, and and isn't it interesting, He you know, Holden kind of has the same kind of deal. He's an ex-military and kind of finds himself out in the Wild West like a like a lot of... Uh, like a lot of, of uh, spaghetti westerns that we some of us <laughs> yeah. watch. Some of us watch. Uh, a greenhorn on the parents. frontier, yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely, you know, it, it, it depends on what you were looking for. Um, I think I relate more to the belt. I'm not sure I re relate to the OPA because the OPA feels a little bit like a uh, a pseudo political terrorist organization that only gets that only becomes legitimate when they have the killing item to well, eliminate. Yeah, and everyone. to clarify that the OPA and the the belt are like those that live on the asteroids are not. They're not all OPA. The same. Right. Like all belters are not part of the OPA. Right. And there are people outside that live on Mars and Earth that 
are part of the OPA and like um, Julie was one of those that left her cushy life in Earth yep. and joined the OPA for what it stood for. Well, so. like like Fred. So <laughs> the butcher of Anderson Station. <laughs> butcher of Anderson Station. That's right. Who is an Earther who decides to join the OPA because he has some radical change yeah. of heart, which we haven't dis we haven't uh, discovered yet. Yeah. Which might we might find out why. I think we get some hints. I, I think I we realize, get some hints. I realize this is another tangent, but am I That's the right. only one who is um who thought that that Fred was going to turn out to be much more devious and much less um I think he uh, did. moral at the very end? I think I feel he like did. he's still I, I feel like he's still doing things for the what I think he we're still to be on the book right one of a very long series, and yes. we still have plenty of opportunities for him to show his true colors. Bad. Did you hear? I, maybe, maybe you guys didn't hear it the same way that I did. He's rehearsing the speech over and over again, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And he gets to the very end, and he says, "On one hand, we have Earth and Mars positioned and able to destroy all life in this plant in this solar system, and on the other hand, he he tries it three different ways." But what he says in the last, what they, what the he authors have him say at the end, space. he says, but now on the other mm -hmm. hand, I give you the stars, Star. the stars, that's the right. same thing that Dresden said right before <laughs> Miller capped him. And I said to myself, doggone son of a fuck <laughs> this guy. I'm and and who, you. who has the proto molecule? He's yeah. got the proto molecule, uh -huh. baby. Um, and, and. And it would not surprise me at all if in book two and three, we see that starting to be used as a new arms race between <clears> Earth, <throat> Mars, the belt, humanity, and whatever's going on in Venus. Yeah. I, and that and that we see an escalation there, which also leads me to say, eh, you know, and I'm, I, you know, having having only read book one and only seen a couple of episodes of the of the first season of the expanse of the television show leads me saying there's a lot more that we're going to explore. And this is going to go, this is going to go extra solar real fast, uh, or at least has the potential to yeah. be yeah. able to go extra solar real fast. To answer the discord question, I think I would find myself as a earther in the belt. <laughs> I, I really would. I don't think I would want to be OPA, but I would, I think I would be one of those, one of those people from earth who ended up in the belt just because I don't know, freedom. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I'd be an Earther all the way. <laughs> Just because you, I believe I, that. you want the comfort. I, that. I, I am definitely all about my comfort. I want the manicures. <laughs> I, like, I don't even like camping. I'm not going to go out halfway across the solar system where yeah, I and, crawl and through mud where sounds, water so. and air is limited. And that sounds so exciting to hey, me. It come, really does. Come crawl through mud for fun with me. No, there you no, go. I'm there good. you go. Right here, brother. You come run through Disney World with me. Yes. And we'll be happy. Done. I'm, we're there. I, could, I, could I do like Disney World. I could vacation. Maybe I would be. Like that. Maybe I would be but an Earther. I am an Earther. I mm. All the way. I, I know that. That's... I'll tell you what I'd be. I'd be somebody living on Tycho Station because it sounds like Tycho's got the best of all of them. <laughs> Tycho's I'm just party. And I'm, and I'm almost smart, so maybe they'd have a place for me there. I don't isn't, know. We figured isn't Tycho out. the home base of the OPA, though? So. Doggone you, Ken. I'm just shut up. Okay, so saying. I guess I'm gonna wind up being the OPA whether I like it or not. All right, gone it. But I really, yeah, I think I'd be, a, I think I'd be a belter too. Yeah, um, so let's come back. Are there any other level three themes in this book? You know, we talked a little bit about right and wrong, uh, and about being careful about how how we see that right and wrong and how that manifests. But are there any? Were there any other level three themes about how do you how do you how does this lead you to say, 
oh, that's something I need to think about in my own life. That's something that I need to remember to help me be a better human being. Anything that you're going to take from this book that's going to be that way for you? There was, going back to, you mentioned the the moment that Miller shot um, Dresden. Dresden, yeah. And there was a conversation that he had with Holden afterwards where he actually kind of justified why that it wasn't just that the man deserved to die. It was the moment that he said that people were believing him. Yes. People yeah. started believing that what he was saying was right. And, and that they it. were and that it justified killing millions of people or infecting them or whatever. I mean mm-hmm. at what at at the station at aero station that they did when they infected everyone with the, the proto molecule. But thinking back on our own history and moments, I'm like there have been some like what if someone along the way thought because I'm sure as Hitler was talking in his rise to power, someone had to think this man's insane. Yeah, sure. And what he's about to do is going to be a black mark on history. And like, those people got shot. And he still rose to power because no one decided to shoot him before he he could he finished, accomplished, and whatever else he had planned. Sure. I was like, how many times in history would it have been nice to look back and go, this is wrong. Yeah. And there were obviously people that knew that this was wrong if someone just had the courage to stop it. Not saying that what Miller did was right, because we have laws and rules, and I'm not the type of person that's just going to shoot someone like that but so what you're saying is you want to shoot people in the face that's <laughs> yes, what i heard that sounds like me definitely that's what i heard at least mars with a Nerf did gun. not actually shoot down anyone they just had a box <laughs> so what i heard was <laughs> ken how about you nah <laughs> nope, i'm it. not gonna take anything else from i, no, I don't I, believe in humanity i don't I believe that about Ken. Well, you know, maybe maybe by book two, I'll take something something higher from it. But but right now, I it all feels very. I don't want to say. I I, I don't want to give the book shorter shrift than it deserves because I think that they did a fantastic job telling the story. I just didn't take anything deeper from it than they meant to than they meant it to be i think you know what i mean mm. it's like I, I i can tell as i was reading it's like these are deep moments these are political moments this is good punching this you know those sort of things but i didn't take anything deeper from from most of it you know what i mean and and i think the one thing that i that i found um that i don't know if it was their intent um but i but i certainly resonated with it and maybe part of it's because i've been working with a with a very diverse team uh, I, I find myself working with very diverse teams in a lot of things in my in my uh, in my avocation in my in my recreational activities. I, I work with I work with people who are in many ways vastly diverse from each other. Um, they've got some similarities that pull them together, but they've a lot of differences on a lot of different levels of of interests and hobbies and backgrounds and different kinds of things. Same with the people that I work with. Um, and I I saw the in in Holden's crew. This idea that um, that loyalty and respect for each other and for the for the roles that we have to fill and the jobs that we have to do when we rely on each other creates a tremendous bond. And I think sometimes we underestimate. Um, let me rephrase. I have I have noticed in myself when I'm when I'm looking at things, I underestimate sometimes how powerful the bond of shared experience and working side by side to help each other through something can be. I'm not going to cry. 
Um, <laughs> I was just waiting. I like, this knew is the, you This were. is the Todd cry moment. This is the Todd cry moment. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, I'm not crying yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But, but, but I have experienced that. I have, and, and I think, I think all of us to a different degree have experienced that at different times that when we work with people to, to fight through different kinds of things, it builds a loyalty and a connection that is able to convince us to do terribly, terribly difficult things. Holden does that with his crew mm -hmm. and they may not always agree with him, but they stay with him. I mean, he's got a crew in, in fact, in one part in the book, he says, he says, here we are. I have a, I have an earther Amos who left the, who left earth and because he found himself much more comfortable with people from the belt. I've got a belter. I got a Martian. And here I am in the middle of all of this with all of these people. And yet all of us, in spite of the fact that we are on, uh, that we are all over the map for where we come from, are holding it together and doing the right thing for everybody all together. And Naomi kind of says, well, that's because that's because of you. And, and that's the scene where she says, you are righteous. Mm -hmm. um, right. We're, we're going to stay with you because you're trying to do the right thing. What a powerful kind of a deal that says when we work together and when we're all on the same page with what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah we can get through some tough stuff and make it work. I really, for me, that was a moment that said to me that I said to myself, okay, when I'm working with people, be open to these kinds of moments, watch for these kinds of moments, because those are the ones that connect people and that keep them together in spite of tough stuff. Sure. I so like that was that my moment. level three. I, I <laughs> Holden's crew is, is my favorite part of the book. I think each of them is, is, is fantastic in, in their own right. How'd you feel when Shed got killed? I was bummed, but not. I, yeah, I was like, eh. I was like, oh, <laughs> it was kind of out of out of the blue, which I, which I liked actually because I mean that it out wasn't of the, some, out of the blue yeah. death happens, you know. You, but it, but it was a little bit. I was like, oh, you you, you get early in the book and you get introduced to characters. You get introduced to to uh, what's her bucket? I can't even remember her name now. The other his other uh, Holden's other love interest. Uh, on the, on the, the Canterbury. Guys, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and you get introduced to the captain and you know, you get, you get introduced to all these characters and they keep getting snuffed out left and right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, holy crap, who do I want to, who do I want to <laughs> invest in? And it, it, it takes a while. Right. And then just about, I'm trying to settle in and then shed gets capped. And I'm like, oh my oh. gosh, who else do I have to rely on? Uh, I actually thought Miller was going to get spaced at one point. So I was like, oh, what's going to happen if we get rid of Miller? Who else is he going to bounce back and forth between? And then I thought, no, wait a minute. They've set this up yeah. too well. It's going to be all right. But yeah, they were they were very clear about, you know, they were they were introducing characters left and right and leaving us with a feeling of, hey, you know what? We can take anybody out if we know if, if <laughs> it's right. going to further the story. Which is, by the way, a great way to tell a story, establish early that anyone can die yeah. at any time. We're going to we're going to make you invest. I kept wondering if Havelock was going to be one of the guys on the Protogen station uh, that Miller was going to have to face, come face to face with. Oh, that would have been yeah. interesting. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if that was something that uh, popped into your guys' head, but it certainly wasn't mine. That that leaves a question for later that I didn't think of until just this moment is I wonder if Havelock shows back up as a, um, you know, tribute to Miller type thing. Yeah, I wonder. Well, we need, we need a detective. Here I am, you know, or something I like wonder that. If, I wonder if Miller's going to show up again. Yeah, I definitely think so. so. Yeah, kind of like a kind of like a star child thing in 2010. Yeah, yeah exactly. Him oh. and Julie. Him and, and Julie showing up together. They're Venus. We're going to guide humanity. 
baby their, monster yeah. or whatever they're you want to call them. <laughs> they're shiny they're shiny uh we can give you their the dog monsters and who knows whatever else <laughs> they're the flying spaghetti monster so so uh we we've we've got a little bit of time left i want to i, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about the the television show all of us have had a little bit of opportunity to watch that or at least some of that and then i also want to make sure that we get some some highlights from the book that you found that you know funny moments or things that you that you saw that you were really interested in. So there are a couple of things on Discord, and I was going to say, but before we do that, yeah, do, you have, do we have any questions that, from Discord? Um, that people want us to talk about. Um, Let's the, see if we got time. The space Mormon yes, sir. Thank is you. a big thing. And I, I loved it. So I looked this up because after I started watching reading this, and um, Ryan showed me the picture. Ouch! Ow. Sorry, there is like this random light in my eyes. Ouch. You but, all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. But so. That no, random light is. That, that random Mormon. light, Ryan by the way, is called something. the sun. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She's been in the belt is. a little too long. Uh, is that why we're doing this? We're trying to mimic the belt? There I we like go. It. So. Where was I going with Space that? Mormon. Uh, Space oh, that's Mormons. right. So um, Ryan showed me the clip where you actually see the spaceship Nauvoo and everything in the TV show. And like, why in the world? What is up with the. Why did he choose the Mormons to write about. So I looked it up and found an article where they were interviewing the authors and they were saying that they knew that they needed this big ship that had a, it was going to be a generational ship. It had plans to go into to space yeah. for a very long time. And he, they debated about doing something um, corporate. They've debated about doing something where it was more political and they're like, you, there's no gain of going anywhere. And the only thing that they could settle on was religion. And so they finally were like, okay, so we need to choose some religion that's going to, to go out into the stars and settle its own area. And the more that they got delving into these religions, they were actually sold when they came across how much the LDS church spent developing City Creek. The local really? mall that we have here that's right next to the church headquarters, the church spent $1.5 billion on. And they're like, if this church is willing to spend billions of dollars developing a mall for the people that come and visit their temple, they would absolutely spend billions of dollars on a spaceship just to go out into space. And he, that's kind of yeah. where they settled on and why they decided to go. Cause there are people like, Oh yeah. Compare it to the, the pioneers and how the Mormons traveled. Yeah, Cause across that, the that was what I was going. No, with. it really isn't. It's just these, this church has a lot of money and they're willing to spend a lot of money. So yeah, of course they'd spend a lot of money on a spaceship. I thought that was actually kind of funny. Because it doesn't have anything really to do with their religious beliefs or yeah. their thoughts, but well, I guess it, it's nice knowing that it, it kind of it kind of does only in the sense that, and and that's interesting that that's the way that the uh, the idea came about because a lot of the things that uh, through Mormon history would lead itself to the same thing. They believe in making long journeys forever. <laughs> you know, it's like we're For moving. All kinds we're of just reasons. Gonna we're moving in. from this part of the country to this part of the country, which is largely uninhabited, simply get because away from no one is there. Well, they didn't even. Uh, <laughs> and we're taking our families, here, and we're they taking, don't know where they're going. Yeah, the LDS Church left Illinois, Illinois, they left Illinois, and headed west with no destination in sight. They had no idea where they were going. Just like these people here in the book, we're getting on a spaceship, flying out to the stars. And we're just going. And yeah. we're hoping to find a planet somewhere along the way. And, and yep. Miller's Miller's all the time just kind of poking fun at him. Yeah, the Mormons, they're going to get out there. They may not even find anything. And, and you know what? <laughs> it, it tracks with history, too, because sure. 
I full disclosure, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and also known as the Mormons. Also known as the Mormons. And we're a little strange sometimes. A little. That's that's fine. I don't I mean, I I like to think I'm fairly normal, but I mean when viewed through a certain lens on a large scale, that, we're a little no, when, we're a little when, odd. When viewed through a certain lens, anyone who subscribes to a belief that you do not subscribe to can seem a little wacky. Sure. Um and and the church organizations have oftentimes been an easy target for that. I'm glad that it was not just because it was an easy target, but that they spent some time really thinking through of all the organizations, of all the opportunities, of all the groups, because I got to be honest, makes total sense to me that the that the LDS church would say at some point in the future, um, yeah, we think we need to go here. Uh, makes total sense. Well, I'm curious as to, I mean, obviously we live here in Utah. This is a huge part of our culture. I mean, you can't really find someone who doesn't know who the LDS church is and what the history is, because more than likely, if your family's been here in Utah long enough, you have pioneer ancestors, whether you're a member or not. Yep. And so I'm curious as to what it's like for people that are reading this book that don't have the same knowledge we do of the Mormons and their culture, if this makes sense to them. That's interesting. Um, maybe that's something that uh, those that are out in in our that are listening couldn't give us feedback yeah, on Reddit. I, I'd yeah, I'd like, like that. to know. If you don't know much about the LDS Church, other than they're like some crazy religion out here in Utah, and they send out missionaries. Um, yeah. I'm curious how this plays into how you read the book. I I would be very interested in that because it's easy to see something from an inside perspective. I like getting outside perspective because it does. It makes complete sense as to why they why they chose to write the Mormons into this because it's believable on a cultural level for us as Mormons to believe. Yes. Sure. Well, and they're not, they're not the first ones. Robert Heinlein wrote Mormons into Starship yes, Troopers. Did. I yes, mean, he did. it's, it's not, it's not a first time that, that Mormons have been written into to yeah. science fiction. And it wasn't as a slap. And, and I, they're, and I appreciate no, it's that. Not. No, it's not. And they're not that. the only ones we read. Oh, I don't remember what it is now. I read something where, where the, well, was it this book that Hindus are still a prominent part of? I can't remember. I can't remember either. I, but but I've in, read so many books in the part, last. I mean, month I don't know if it's that, how mentioned it is, but um, the language and everything is still yes. very much a part of the okay, culture so here yeah. on Earth. Like they speak three languages on Earth now. Right. Yeah. So, well, so and it. you know, we also saw. So you know, there there are some pieces of that. There's a there's a piece that I want to come to you with that in conjunction with Dune. Um, <laughs> there's we'll, the mind killer. We'll, yeah. <laughs> and, and, that and was outstanding. Naomi, is it Naomi that says geek? <laughs> to no, it was, it was, um, or was it Holden? It was Julie. Oh, it was Julie. That's it was right. It Julie was Julie who said fear is the mind killer. And then she said it to herself. Geek. geek. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It was in her little letters in that her, she was writing. Yep. Exactly. I will not fear. I will face so, my fear and allow it to pass Such over a me. great callback, geek. especially for us, you know, who have, covered, have just finished Dune not too we, long ago. We have, we've covered Dune and we have covered Dresden and here they both are. Yep. In this book that we're reading now. It was funny. It was Destiny. Yeah. I have read neither. So. Well, get on it. Um, there's one other thing that um, some of our readers on, our listeners on Discord have asked and it's the concept of the zombies. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, the vomit they're curious zombies. as to how the vomit zombies play into <laughs> our reading. And that just that idea of how the protomolecule is taking over. Because, I mean, that's a character in of itself that is kind of a big deal in this book that we haven't touched at all. Right. And, which leads to 
a bigger question that I had in that how random that millions of years ago, this thing was shot toward earth and because Saturn got in the way was the only thing that saved us. I mean, basically it's actually, there's a, there's a piece of astrophysics that works for that, but that's a different story. We won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. But I, it, it, it's more of a, what if, uh, question to me. It's what like, if the oh, gravity pull of Saturn hadn't happened to be right. there and like, oh, all of this could have ended before it began. Uh, uh, it, it might not have actually ended. It just would have been different. Evolved. Differently. It would have evolved into a bunch of black goo proto people. You know, uh, you anyway, know, um, vomit zombies. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 the question really becomes the, I, I, I guess from my standpoint, the, the, the question starts to be one of how do you, um, how how do we respond to the idea that um, that as and, and Miller Miller makes a a, a a a couple of references to it that I think the authors do a wonderful job with it the idea that the molecule when it was when it was first encased amphibian and, and targeted toward the Earth was designed to work on single celled organisms super super simple life forms and that when it arrives in and comes in contact with us it has to do all of this stuff with very complex life forms. And when you think about any other kind of virus and what it does to us and how it and how it changes the way that our bodies react to stuff, our bodies try to uh, to expel all of the things that come into it uh, that are foreign through various methods. Um, and you know, vomit being the most spectacular <laughs> of all of them. Um, it, you know, it's better I'm, than the alternative. I'm of glad the they didn't say diuretic zombies. That's the one because yeah. that was the other one that I was thinking of. I'm like, that's the one. Every time one of the vomit zombie comes along, it goes that, and I'm like. I'm glad that they weren't turning around and going, huh? um, <laughs> but that was the other option um, or that they could explode like hemorrhagic fever. And that was what we saw on uh, the scop on the scopuli mm -hmm. when Julie first comes in, into yeah. contact with it is that this is, this is the other thing that happens is that it just, everything comes out, but it's an, an explosive of all of the, of, of all of the other things if because there's the a rewriting going on. Um, the, <laughs> The fact that Miller and 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 Holden both are like, yeah, the vomit zombies. I'm like, serious? Come on. Um, <laughs> but you know, like, I I I got it. It, it helped give the picture. The, the visual, visual, really the visual worked. Things, yep. <laughs> the of what these worked. infected people looked like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. When you're thinking about these zombies. And so you know, yes, maybe goo. it's maybe it's a little <laughs> bit maybe it's a little bit childish. Um, and maybe it's a maybe it's because we have no other way of being able to describe it. But when you start talking about, I mean, if you've seen someone who has a fever, they're infected, they're delusional, they're still wandering around, they're a danger to themselves and everybody else. Um, if you've, if you've seen that, you recognize that's, that's kind of the look. Uh, and I bought it. It was, um, a, yeah. it was a very effective way to drive the story forward. And it was a lot less creepifying than the rib cage and arm dragging itself around. Okay. So that's <laughs> the piece now that I'm, that I got to tell you, I'm. I have almost made my decision not to watch the rest of the show because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to handle that walking through my television screen. I, I have, haven't gotten there yet. I was going to say I haven't gotten there yet either, but I have a feeling they've they've taken some. This is going to transition nicely into our discussion of the television show, but I they've taken some liberties already, you know, in the oh, first couple of episodes. Major liberty, so I, I have a feeling they'll probably massage. That. I realize this was on like sci-fi at by at this time so yeah, they can't get terribly so amazon yeah, well, now that it's anyway. on amazon they, may, they can do some stuff different but so, sci-fi channel but, is pretty pretty sanitized but i don't expect it to be like ribcage crawling around type stuff so. well and i saw the first episode where where julie is supposed to come in contact with the with the 
head of her captain and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and the disembodied goo and yeah that wasn't in there they don't show any of it no um but my goodness what a different take they put on the television show on the television series than the stuff that's in the book um his earth companion miller's earth companion is uh or earth partner totally different storyline yeah totally different um setup yeah, he they kind of gave him a, a female, which I don't know if I'm annoyed by, because um, now he has a female partner in the TV show that's kind of been there saving his butt when he needs it. Well, he still has. He's going to get moved. Havelock's there until he gets killed. Yeah, well, he's not killed. He's found. Have you not gotten there yet? No, Todd's only like three episodes. I'm only two. three episodes. Oh, in. well, yeah. Then he gets killed. So then they get rid of him. <laughs> so he gets found again. Oh man! So I, yeah, all right, spoiler, talk about contrived. Spoiler Sorry, alert! Maybe we shouldn't the, talk about the TV show until we have all watched all of it. Spoiler alert for the next episode: it, it he isn't dead for very long. Okay. Yeah, thanks. it's not. It's not. It's it's pretty quick. But we we really should. By the way, um, spoiler alert for the TV show. If nobody's watched it, yeah, but if it, you've read the book and haven't watched the TV show, then do you care? I mean, yeah, if you've read the book and you haven't watched the TV show and you want to watch the TV show, I don't know if what we're saying is going to matter a whole lot. Yeah. Also, by the way, you know how it ends. Yeah. This is a good opportunity to mention, by the way, on discord, not, not sorry on discord, uh, on Thursday nights, uh, for our patrons, Craig is going to be hosting a live stream. I think on discord, uh, discussing discord channel. Yeah. Special discord channel discussing the, uh, two episodes of the Expanse television series each week. We're going to start yeah. starting next week, same week this comes out, uh, discussing episodes one and two. And he's going to, while we're going through the books, he's going to go through the TV show. And we might pop up there once in a while, yeah. you know, as a rotating kind of group. And it's it's uh, a discussion, a live stream discussion that's for all patrons. So no matter how much you've donated, $1, $3, whatever you've donated, uh, you're invited to this live stream. You can ask questions. You guys, we can all discuss it. And, and we uh, genuinely just, appreciate it. And just have fun. And yeah, and we we love having these live discussions because it's just fun to interact yeah, with everybody. Are. And it's a good opportunity to talk about the differences between the book and the And they and are the significant. TV but um, by the way, Craig has not read the book. They however, are and they aren't. The differences between the TV show and the book for me, because you can definitely follow where the book yeah. The book goes in the TV show. So I was pleasantly surprised by that. You can tell where they have purposely added drama. Yes. Where there isn't in like, because you have um, Amos, who is probably one of the most loyal characters to Holden throughout the book. And he's not in the TV show. He's, no, he's he completely loyal to Naomi. To Naomi, who he thinks should be the captain. So yeah. he does everything. Well, I'm to the point where he's now questioning his loyalties. But anyway. Well, and that that's another thing that right off the top, I'm like, wow. Why do it feels like a, a very modern problem that didn't need to be there in the terms of Naomi should be the captain because she's the super girl, you know. Well, and I think they tried and, making Holden more more human and relatable and less the Boy Scout. Right. He still has his ideas of right and wrong, but it's not as strong as it is in the book. But he's, yeah. yeah, he's not he, he's not there yet. I yeah. have a feeling, you know, in a few seasons, he'll, yeah. he'll probably exert. And, and it's fine. I, I shouldn't say it's a big deal i guess because it's really not and well but they and you need time for them to come around to each other so we also add in you know we well while while there are weeks going by for holden and miller in their transit times we've got the united nations general secretary and the martian ambassador and some of their conversations that are going on that 
in the in the television show that serve to heighten some conversations that in the book they're done with a little bit of expository. Uh, you get more of an idea of what's yeah. happening on Earth and Mars yeah. and how what happened so, in yeah, the that, belt is affecting them and how get, they're playing the game. Yep, we yeah. get a lot more United Nations with that lady. I don't... Yeah, she showed up. I was uh, like, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are, but okay, okay. cool. You know? So I watched the first two... I've watched the first two episodes of The Expanse before I ever started picking up the books. And so when I started picking up the books, I was waiting for that character. And when the character didn't show up, I was like, oh, good, I can jettison that <laughs> <Yeah>. one. That's <laughs> right. Yep, and then exactly. just, you know, dove in. But I can... But I recognize, again... If you're writing a television show, there's only so much that you that you want to have that you can that you can just have people accept. Yeah. The fact that it's taking six months later, you know, <laughs> it's it'll be interesting. They on. can't they can't take a full year during this TV show, I don't think. So it'll be interesting to see how things yeah. are expedited. Also, you get to have some fun with the Mormons a little bit. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more Mormons on, on, on the uh, Mormon TV stuff. show. A lot of I like the missionaries that get caught in the riot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Yeah, I should have said <laughs> I that. am glad it's a TV show and not a movie, though. Yes. Because they take so too. much out of books when they make movies. And yes. some of it's disheartening to when you're watching a movie and you're like, but I loved that in the book and it didn't It didn't make the cut. Yeah. Where in a TV show, you have you got a lot more time. 10 hours to yeah. tell a story yeah. instead of two. And you can put so much more. So I think there are... For me, having read the book and watching the, and watching the TV show, I can kind of gloss over the stuff that's not in the book and appreciate what the TV show is trying to do because it is close enough. Yeah. The storylines have been the same. Yeah. And I really like Miller in the TV show for some I do too. Thomas, Thomas Jane. And I guess I don't know who he cool. is, but he's... He's good. He is. He's really good. I mean, he's, he's really good at not being likable kind of idea. He's that... Him and his fedora hat and... <laughs> That's a pork stupid, pie. That stupid hat. It's a fedora in the show, isn't it? Is it a fedora? Yeah. I thought it was still a pork pie in the show. No. It looked like a fedora to me. Yeah. And Stephanie would know. I don't... It looked like a fedora. She's, I a, could, she's a costume. Please don't tell her. Yeah. Anyway. She knows her costume. So I recommend the TV show. Good. For having read the book, if you liked the book, I recommend the TV show. Airs on Amazon. I also... Well, it's and, on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, my understanding is that each season tackles a different book. So uh, yes, I believe it's one season a book. So as you're moving through, obviously they've done a lot of work to try and and make sure they keep up with the rest of the with the rest of the expanse. This isn't just a a one and done. They gave it a lot of effort, and so we've got yeah. lots. You've you've got lots to read, but you've also got lots to watch, which yeah. is convenient um, for the TV show because I think there are nine books out in the series now. Uh, something like that. So so all right. Um, so to wrap up, any 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 moments in the book that you said to yourself, okay. That was cute, or this was this was my high point, or this was this was something that I really was glad showed up in the book. Any any thoughts for you guys? I think I've covered them all. I have one kind of final thought, and I don't know if this is like a prediction of where things might go, or just kind of my question to throw out into the universe. But I'm curious if there is any more like Julie that have been infected that still retained some sort of humanity. Oh, because. All that we see of what this the proto molecule has done is you see body parts and you see these zombie like creatures. But she is still very much human in her mentality. When you get when Miller finally has that final conversation with her, she's in her mind racing her little race her pod penis. thingy, yeah, her racer back to to Earth, and he stops her in and they sideline to to Venus and how they end up on Venus. So I'm curious if there's anyone else that has been infected. 
that will show up somewhere along the way that is more like Julie. Yeah. And That'll be interesting. I, I wondered because as as uh Miller is taking off his suit and infecting himself at the end, I can see them very much becoming an Adam and Eve kind of a situation. Mm-hmm, of a new Um race. so I'm I'm curious Proto people. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm curious to find out if um as they're as they're dealing with that, what other what other things are going to be the unintended consequences of of a of a new Adam and Eve mm-hmm. of a new humanity, um, and maybe we are introducing a new species into all of this stuff. Um, that that could be interesting. Um, I really i i I have to admit, I really liked the way that they handled Fred's character arc. Because I was at the point at the very beginning where I was like, I, I, I really don't trust the guy. And then I got to the point where I was trusting him and I'm like, but I don't think I'm supposed to trust him. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think this is a, I, I think this is a long con going on right here. And we get to the end and I felt like, yeah, yeah, this was a long con, you <laughs> son of, and so I'm really, I'm really excited to see how all of this winds up working out with the relationship between Holden and Fred and Fred, because I think that that was a, you know, this is a, this is a part, this is, is this going to be a parting of the ways for those two? Mm-hmm. Um, or is there going to be something more that's, that's going to happen for that? So I mean, I'm excited to see how that one shapes up. I'm excited just to see where we're heading, you know, maybe Holden gets a bigger crew, got another ship. I'm hoping that uh, Havelock shows back up. I don't know. I, I I don't have many predictions. I just, I have a lot of, I'm interested to see how this is happening, you know, where we're There's heading. There's a lot of directions they can, can go. And yeah. obviously they have, cause they've written nine more books. So yeah. Yeah. Some good stuff. Plus a lot of uh, little novellas. Yeah. Short there's, stories. There's sides, side stories. Yeah. Like, um, Fred's. One of them is called the butcher of Anderson station. Yeah, I want to read his, that one. His pre story or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So there's obviously lots more that we get an opportunity to cover. We're planning at least the first three books. Um, and so, you know, if you are if if you are tuning in and you're saying, oh, boy, I'm glad they're doing the expanse. And you just hear me say we're doing at least the first three. Don't 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 panic. <laughs> don't panic. We got uh, you know, we, we certainly we were planning the first three books of the Dune series and we ran into we went up doing four and then most of us read five. So, yeah. uh, or we you, read five and decided, let's not tell Todd we rode five. <laughs> they didn't want to talk about it. It was so much fun. Um, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see where this goes, but, uh, you know, at least for the first three, we are, we are buckled in and we're going to be having some good times. Uh, we have some, we have some plans for the future in between. We're probably going to, we'll get Megan back and we'll probably do some Dune. Yes, or, we are. Dune. Uh, dress oh, that was a, Awful Freudian slip. That's okay. Dresden, That's okay. We'll, we'll get back into the Dresden universe. Uh, she's going to be tackling the Lord of the Rings with the guys. She is. And so. we've talked about some other things along the way that we're going to have some fun with. So uh, hopefully you are enjoying where we're going to be going with this over the next little while. So in the meantime, Ken, Stephanie, thanks very much. We're looking forward to the next book. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, hopefully all of you are looking forward to it as well. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.